The Unpacked Podcast, Episode 1, The B-Word, Budgeting. Welcome to the inaugural podcast of Unpacked. I'm Jordan Shirkman, alongside my beautiful wife, Nikki Shirkman. Hey, Nikki. Hey, Jordan. How you doing? I'm doing well today. How are you? Really great. Excited for the podcast today. It's kind of fun that we live together and work together and we're married and all these things, but we pretend like we just met over the microphones. Mm -hmm. Kind of convenient. Good setup. Yeah. It's good. So I asked how you were doing, but I really, I already knew how you were doing because okay. we spent a lot of time together. We already had pancakes today and set up a podcast and here we are. Awesome pancakes. Thank you. My favorite recipe. Yeah. For sure. Can we put those in the show notes? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if I'm willing to share it, but... Okay. Because it, yeah, it's going to be on your blog at some point if they're Absolutely. not already up there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a great way to, to spend a Sunday. Thank you. Tell me why they're your favorite pancakes, Jordan. Wow. Yeah, I think I like the consistency of the pancakes. Mm. And they're kind of healthy as far as pancakes go. It's, you know, it's kind of a stretch to call pancakes healthy. But for something you slather butter and sugar syrup on. It's a stretch. It is. Yeah. But they're good. They're really tasty. And we had them with with blueberries this morning, which are one of my favorite varieties of pancakes. So we're ready to go. We got full bellies. Got a little preparation for one of our favorite topics. Caffeined up. Yeah, we got the juice. Got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's a little helper. What more do you need? I think we're ready to go. Let's do it. So today we're talking about? The B word. Budgeting. Mm, a one favorite of, topic. We're kind of nerds. We are. Our friends know this about us. We really get amped up about talking about budgeting. Because most people are like budgeting, that's that's awful. That's you know, it's a thing that a lot of people pretend to have, not a lot of people actually have, and very few people actually enjoy talking about. It's true. And neither of us grew up loving talking about budgeting. This uh, wasn't something Yeah, I kinda had a faux budget. You know, I pretended like I knew what I was doing with my money. I had an Excel spreadsheet. I'm really divulging a lot of nerdiness right now. Mm talking about Excel spreadsheets and budgeting. But yeah, it was kind of a, a retroactive thing. Mm. And that's what a lot of people do. I think they have kind of a retroactive view of spending their money. Yeah, mine was kind of, I spent money, dad, can I have more retroactively? Hmm. Yeah, neither is a good approach. It's not. So we're going to work through that today. We are. We're, we're going to help people. Going to hopefully help some people. Going to unpack a little bit more about what budgeting looks like, how we can budget more effectively, what it means for Christians to budget. Lots of good things on the agenda, on the docket today. I'm excited. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's do it. So budgeting. Tell us, Nikki, what is what is budgeting? It's such a broad question and such a term I think people throw out a lot. You know, I budget. Let me look at my budget. Let me look at my finances. And I think generally speaking, the bare bones of it is a managing and organizing of your money. And I think it's you know, as we touched on, definitely a more proactive thing of I'm telling my money where to go instead of wondering where it went, which is a famous Dave Ramsey quote, which we're big fans of Dave. But intentionally deciding these are my expenses, these this is my income, this is what needs to go where, and deciding what that is and what that will look like for you. So most simply, it's kind of just a plan for my money. Absolutely. And it's planning beforehand rather than afterhand. Absolutely. You say things so succinctly. You you gave me the launching board for that. You're welcome. Thanks. So why do we budget? Why is that important? Why should people do it? There's no escaping money. You know, it it 
encompasses so many different things in our culture and just the world we live in, you know, money is a necessary thing and it's an amoral thing. It's not good. It's not bad. The Bible says the Bible, you know, a lot of people will misquote the Bible and say, well, the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. And that's, that's actually a misquoting of the Bible. The scripture says the love of money is the root of all evil because money can so easily take the place of God in our lives and we can rely on it for our security, for our dependence, for our provision, for our happiness. And so money is a really important topic for Christians and for all people to think about and how we do it is important. And I think there are, there are really good ways to budget and maybe less effective ways to budget. So why we budget, I think from a personal example is it has just been such a blessing for us in our marriage. It's made things so much easier for us. We came from two very different financial backgrounds and it's really brought us to the same page. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think in even asking that question, you know, I think there's this general answer of why should anybody budget regardless of your beliefs is that you want to be well taken care of. We want to have our needs met. We want to have shelter, have food, uh, make sure that our bills are being paid. And then as believers, I think there's another element that becomes our ultimate purpose and example and reason in budgeting. And that is because we believe that God has entrusted it to us, that we are his money managers, as Randy Alcorn likes to say. And I really think that that's a good way of viewing it is that I am here to steward what the Lord has given me. And in budgeting, I can ensure that I'm doing that and I'm actually planning and preparing for what is ahead. Yeah, I think God wants us to plan. He wants us to think ahead, obviously. And we're going to kind of dig into this a little bit more. There's the aspect of faith and of being a, being willing to change your plan and not just being so committed to your plan that you're not open to different things God might have for you. But we just want to be wise and wise people plan. That's just the reality of it. We want to plan ahead. We There are certain things that are inevitable. You know, We know that we're going to need a place to live. We're going to need transportation of some sort. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a car, but I need to buy a bike or I need to buy a bus ticket, whatever that might be. There are just things that we know are going to happen. And, and things that we want to prepare for. So we want to we want to budget because we want to steward well what God's given us, like you've said. We want to plan ahead. We want to be prepared. It's just like anything in life. Why do we go to college? Why do we do all these different things? It's because we have a plan. Mm-hmm. We want to think and, and do things wisely. So we kind of touched on this a little bit, but how would you say budgeting for Christians is a little bit more significant, maybe even, I don't know if that's the right word, but a little different than budgeting for someone who maybe doesn't have a relationship with God or that's not at the center of their lives? Mm -hmm. This is an interesting question, and I feel like something you and I talk about because there are absolutely people in the world who who wouldn't consider themselves followers of Jesus but are very generous people, and they still give. And so I think a big thing at the heart of Christians with our finances is giving, that we um, are to give to the Lord, that we're to give to His causes, His people, and realizing that it's not just for us to store up more, for us to find new ways of spending money or new ways of spoiling ourselves or our children or whatever that may be. And all of those things need to be taken care of, but we don't want to just keep investing in ourselves. And so I think as believers, we get the privilege of saying with our money, Lord, I recognize that this is yours. I recognize that you have not given it to me, but entrusted it to me. And I think that's such a distinction that when you make that in your mind and realize that this isn't mine, I am not entitled to it, but that the Lord has thought 
that I was a worthy steward, that I would do well with this. And, you know, as the Bible says, he's been entrusted with much as much as expected. And so I think that a lot of us in an American culture can be quick to say that we're not wealthy or that we don't have that much money. But, you know, a lot of us have heard the statistics of in comparison with the rest of the world, how wealthy we actually are and how much we have. And so I think wanting to honor the Lord in that and by by giving to his church, his people and his causes is so significant. And through that, we get to then invest in eternity and storing up treasures in heaven. And I think that's another really neat distinction is that God doesn't tell us not to store up treasure, but he tells us to store up eternal treasure and treasure that won't rot or fade away. And so as believers, we're not focused on making our lives here perfectly comfortable and easy and just wanting to get whatever we want, but that ultimately we know this isn't our home. This isn't where we stop and our our home is in heaven and that we get to prepare and plan now for what that can look like for each of us. I think that's, that's great. I think you've given us a really good theological and ideological underpinning for budgeting. So let's kind of get into the nitty gritty. Let's talk about what it looks like to budget. So yeah, let's just talk about in generalities, what are some different ways that people can budget? Mm -hmm. I think there's, there's different methods and we have our preferred that we have come to. So there's the, the all cash system of budgeting where you pay for everything in cash. You have cash envelopes, the whole deal. So tell us what cash envelopes, what are we talking about when we talk about cash envelopes? Cash envelopes. This is, you have an envelope when on the front of that envelope is written every category that you have expenses for. So for your groceries, for your personal money, for your giving, for gas, fuel, everything that you could possibly need to spend money on would be in cash. So pretty self-explanatory. Pretty self-explanatory. You have cash, you put it in an envelope. It's a cash envelope. You when use ca- that for one thing. One envelope per category. Per category. When the envelope's gone, when the money's gone. Stop spending money. Stop spending. So you don't even really, I mean, we we personally, we track what we've spent the cash on. We just like to have an idea. Okay, hey, we spent 50 bucks at Walmart. We spent 20 bucks here. You know, it's it's good for us. We just like to know mm-hmm. because we're kind of, we're kind of data fiends. It's we like true. to have that information. But technically, you don't even need to track it. So really, it's a little bit of a work up front to do the cash envelope system. But after you get the cash into the envelopes, there's practically nothing else you have to do. Just spend it. And when, when you run out, you stop spending money. It's so simple. It's really simple. It's definitely the most simple as far as how to execute on using cash envelopes. What makes it tricky is kind of the world we live in. You know, it's it's hard to use only cash in a very digital world. You know, when I think about, this is really lazy, but when I think about having to pay cash at a gas station, that's a hassle. You know, I have to, I have to go in, especially in the winter. We live in the Midwest. It's really stinking cold here. I don't want to have to get out of my car, go in, put 20 bucks in. It's not going to fill up my tank. I have to kind of dance around and decide, oh, am I going to put more in and then go back in and get the change? That's just one example. Cash in general, pretty simple. It it requires a little bit extra work. You have to go to the Mm -hmm. bank. You have to get the cash out, have to get the denominations. I kind of made this nerdy thing though that we'll put it in the show notes, a link to it. This spreadsheet that will tell you what exact denominations you need when you budget your money. So if you decide that you want to put $63 in for whatever category, well, that's like, okay, it's pretty easy. I can think about it. All right, I need a 50, a 10, and three ones or whatever. But I have this thing that tells you automatically what denominations of bills you need so that when you go to your bank, boom, you lay it out for them and they'll give you the cash right when you need it. You are so cool. 
you think I'm cool. I don't know. Other people are going to think it's weird. So Jordan, you, you've given us a pretty strong opinion of the cash only envelope system. And, uh, it doesn't sound like that's what you use. Tell us what, what's a suggestion for those that would agree that going in every time to pay for gas or, or things like Amazon prime. Mm, We're big Amazon shoppers. Yeah, so if you don't want to just use cash, there are other options. So it maybe would work for our grandma, you know, who doesn't necessarily use, I said our grandma as if we have the same grandma, that's weird. <laughs> That'd be awkward. Our grandmas or a grandma. But yeah, if that doesn't work for you, if you do a lot of online shopping or if you want to use your debit card on occasion, yeah, it's not ideal. So the kind of the next, I guess, on the spectrum would be kind of a hybrid method where you use cash for some things, and you use a debit card for other things. And so that's kind of the system that we personally use. We really like that. We use cash for some of the main things, for groceries, for cosmetics, toiletry stuff we get around the home. And there's a couple other things, but in general, entertainment, if we're going out to eat or we're going to the movies or something, we have cash for those things. But then the majority of our, our things are actually digital now. And so we use a program called YNAB, You Need a Budget. And it's really slick. We really like using YNAB. We've been using it for a few months now. And basically, it's a way to track all of your digital expenses. It's definitely compatible with a cash method. And it's a little bit tricky to, to kind of get started. But I think once you get into the flow of it, definitely uses the zero-based budgeting method of things. So spending every dollar on paper before the month begins. And that's kind of the method we use and it's been pretty helpful for us. So what's nice is that there's there's an application for your computer, so for your PC or your Mac, and then there's a companion app for you know your iPhone where you can just enter the expenses right away so that you don't have to worry about tracking them later down the road. So that's kind of one example, but we used to just use a simple spreadsheet in cash and we have that spreadsheet. We can pop that in the show notes along with a link to, to YNAB and yeah, that's the method we used to use. We used to be all cash, and then we had a, a big pile of cash building up at our house, and we didn't feel good about that. You know, if your house burns down, all your cash burns. So the cash under the mattress isn't the best route to go. It's not. Well, and luckily, I know someone that wrote a really great post on Winehab. I'm blushing. You should be. You're talking about me. I am. Yeah, so- I wrote a little post about it, and we'll put that in the show notes over at, at my blog. And we, so we use YNAB, we're big fans, but there are definitely other methods. So yeah, you could use a spreadsheet, you could track it on there, you know, pull some cash out for the different envelopes and then keep track of the rest of it on a spreadsheet. You could, you could even have just a written sheet that you, you keep down, you know, if you're using a debit card and you're shopping online and stuff, you're probably not going to want to just write things down. You know, that's a little bit clunky, but, but there's lots of options in the, in that. And there's tons of software. There's lots of different options for software. So we use YNAB. There's tons of other ones out there, you know, kind of the old school people use Quicken. Um, some people, I guess technically you could use Mint. We use Mint for more of a reference point than a budgeting perspective because it's kind of the whole retroactive thing. It's not proactive. It's like, oh, I spent money here and I spent more than I should have. That's kind of what I wanted to ask you next. So there's those people that fall. So we've kind of gone from one end of the spectrum to the middle with this hybrid. So cash envelope, the hybrid, and then there's another end of the spectrum where it's all digital or even people. And we've had friends ask us this. I don't need a budget. I don't spend that much money. Why should I why should I create a budget? Yeah, we've had friends who have said, you know, I'll I would spend more money if I had a budget. And I normally laugh at them. And I, <laughs> I tell them that I doubt it. But you know, maybe. Sure, there could be people out there that if they had a budget, they would go crazy. But the thing about budgets is if, if you don't want to spend money, then budget to not spend money. But I think, yeah, the other so the other end of the spectrum then 
So we have the cash only system, the hybrid system, and then there's the all digital side of things where you could keep track of literally everything in a software like YNAB or the other, or even in Quicken, all your checks, all your debit cards, all of that stuff. You can do all things that way and you could just be all digital. Now, I think that I think the hybrid method is is nice because there's a little bit less work, there's a little bit less tracking, and I think especially when you're starting, I would even encourage people to maybe try to start on an all cash basis. And maybe you go a little bit of time without spending money online. That's really hard for me. Maybe you have to go inside to the gas station and you don't pay at the pump, but you pay inside. So I think that that would be a good way to start. But yeah, so let's talk about the people who say I don't need a budget. Because, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of dig into some of the different objections people have to budgeting. So people who say, I think that the, the craziest one for me is that if I had a budget, I would spend more money. Yeah. How could you possibly say that? I guess people think, well, if I, I, if I set aside money for travel or for going out to eat, then I will definitely do that. And then I'll kind of, I'll spend more money in that way. Well, I guess that's where we need to distinguish, especially in talking like something as in the cash envelope system, just because there's cash in there doesn't mean you have to spend it. When it's empty, it's empty, but it doesn't mean you have to work to get it empty. That's not the goal. That's that's pretty simple advice. Yeah, you don't have to spend it. Right. And it's a physical savings account, essentially, when you see it in your envelope, when it's like, wow, I have this much left in here. Now, this month, I can go get that haircut because it's more. I don't need to do that every other week when I get paid, but that's something that I can accrue money in this envelope and then go use. Yeah. And then if at the end of the month you have cash left over and it's time to refill it, you can either decide to roll it over and you say, well, I'll just keep it there. You know, maybe we'll spend more on going out to eat or groceries this month, or maybe I'll just tuck it away and put it in a savings account and we'll save it for something different. Yeah. So there's a lot of options there. So I think we've kind of debunked the, I'll I'll spend more money if I budget. No, you get to decide how you're going to spend it. It's just proactive instead of retroactive. And making sure you're allocating for everything that you need money for and not realizing, oh, now I, I need a winter coat. I don't have one. And now I have to pull that out of somewhere, or spend money for it. You don't feel bad spending it because you've prepared for it. Okay. So another common objection to budgeting is it's too hard. Mm. Yeah. I've tried it before and it just hasn't worked. So what do we, you know, what would you say to somebody who says that? I think we can empathize with them. Those words have most certainly come out of my mouth and my life and something that we both said. And that was something as we were dating that we really wanted to get on the same page with. So, yeah, I think when people say that a lot of people have tried to budget before and it hasn't worked out. And I think it's, it's like, you got to get back up on the horse. I think it's, it's not worth completely writing off. Yeah. It's going to be really hard in the beginning because you are, constricting yourself. And another thing Dave Ramsey says is that in the beginning, when you're writing the budget, you are the master of the budget. And then once you write the budget, the budget is the master of you. So kind of you have the control on the front end, you're deciding, okay, how do I need to spend my money? How do I want to spend my money? And on the back end, once the plan is already made, how am I going to react to this then? Am I going to actually follow through with it? And I think a lot of people just kind of they'll just throw the whole thing away if it doesn't work out perfectly. You know, if you kind of drop the ball or there's an unexpected expense, you're like, well, okay, the budget's blown. I got to just throw this thing away. I got to scrap it completely. Yeah, that's not true. You don't have to throw the whole thing away. You can say, all right, well, let's see if we can move some money around. And maybe in the first month, you're 50% better. You know, you you follow follow the budget halfway. In the next month, you're at 75%. You're like, okay, I'm I'm getting a little bit better. And and it's, it's kind of... 
it's kind of like the Christian life. There are ups and downs. There are, there are sweet times and there are hard times and we don't just walk away because it's hard. You know, it's, it's kind of part of the reality of living in a sinful world and a fallen world. Things are hard and that, that doesn't make it bad. That doesn't mean it's not worth trying. So I think we just have to kind of be diligent. And I think accountability is huge. You know, I think it, for us, if, if we weren't married and we were, you know, if we were single, I think it's harder as a single to, to live out a budget because you're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not cheating anyone. It's just me, you know? And so I think in a marriage, it's nice that you have this relationship where you can hold each other accountable and you can kind of help each other work through things and say, all right, well, what can we move around? How can we make this work? And we've even had friends that are single that we've sat down and helped them come up with a budget and said, find another friend that you can do this with because it's huge. Because you're, if you aren't accountable to someone for it, like you said, someone else isn't relying on what you do with your money. It's really easy to just decide to do whatever is most comfortable. You've had a really long, hard day, so you're just going to go out to eat. And then that turns into going out the next night and for a week. And it's just a really easy pattern to get into. But if you have a friend that you can talk about it with, make meals together, whatever it may be, someone that's in it with you, anything is more fun when you have people in it with you. Yeah, I think that that's huge. So another objection that we hear is or something that I think about is I don't I don't even have enough money to budget. You know, when you think about a high school student or a college student or even a recent grad, maybe they have school debt, things like that. How do we address how do we address that objection of I don't even have enough money to budget? Mm. It's funny. I, f- I feel like you and I look back on our college years and cringe at how much money we threw away. Even as college students. Oh my goodness. I was and you were in a better situation than I was. I mean, I just had a job at our at a service at our college at Ohio University and Go Bobcats. Woo. Oh, oh yeah. But I made enough money to buy food and the things that I needed to, but babe, there was a week that I ate at Chipotle five or six days a week. There I'm sorry, there were weeks that that happened. That's a lot of Chipotle. I know, it's just so good. Did you buy stock in Chipotle? No, I should have. We don't buy individual stocks, so that's a topic for another day. I never went so far as to dress up like a burrito or wrap my head in aluminum foil or weird things that they would ask you to do for free. I probably would have done that. You know, when they opened the Chipotle in Athens, I think they set a record for most free burritos given away. It was was like an astronomical number, something close to 20,000. It wrapped around the block, the line. I'm like, man, guys... You're waiting hours for a $6 burrito. Just go work an hour at your job and buy the burrito later. Anyway, that's a that's a totally, I'm off on a tangent. tangent. But yeah, I think no matter how much money you have coming in, it, you need to think about how to spend it. And as a college student or as a high school student, sure, you might not be able to cover all your expenses. You might have some student loan debt and things. But just, just because you don't have a ton of money, you know, it's actually easier to budget when you have less money because there's less opportunities for places for it to go. And when you get out of college or get out of high school and you have your first job, it's not going to be easier when you have a ton more money coming in. I think we've seen a lot of friends who kind of go crazy when they graduate and they buy a brand new car and they have a car payment, maybe they buy a house right out of college. They just kind of, they kind of just, yeah, go crazy with the opportunities that are out there to spend money instead of really thinking through and having a plan for how to spend money. And I think that's part of our generation and culture too, is we don't want to wait 
until we're in our 40s with we've already had a few kids we're married then to have our dream home we want it now we want to live in the big house we want to have the vacation home we want to have the brand new car we feel entitled to that and just because we've gotten to college or we've worked hard we think that we earn that so it's kind of this idea of living beneath our means which is this concept of saying okay if i make a thousand dollars a month i'm not going to spend every bit of the thousand dollars. Maybe I'll spend $700 and I'll tuck $300 away for savings. You know, that'd be great. That'd be a 30% savings rate. That'd be pretty impressive. But in general, living beneath our means, I think is just a Christian concept. It's just this idea of saying kind of what you were saying earlier, God has blessed me with, with a lot. And all of us who live in America, undoubtedly, we have it good. We've been really blessed. And there are all different spectrums, but I think there's an interesting website. I don't think it actually, I think it is kind of defunct now. I don't think it exists anymore, but it used to be called the Global Rich List. And I think if you made more than like $20,000 a year, you were in the top 3% of people in the world for earnings. And so when we think about that, it's like, wow, we are, we're the rich. We're the rich people in the world. We're the rich people that Jesus warns about where he says, you know, it's harder for, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to inherit the kingdom of God. And so, um, obviously, yeah, we, we can't do it on our own. That's what, that's what Christianity says is that we aren't good enough, that Jesus is good enough to give us eternal life, that he lived the perfect life on our behalf. But so going back to the whole being rich thing, I think we we just really need to to think about how we're spending our money. We want to um, live beneath our means to honor God, to plan ahead, to plan for the future, to save for retirement, to give generously, all these different things. So living beneath our means basically says, I can I maybe have the salary to live in a huge house or have a brand new car, but I'm not I am not going to do all of these things. I can do a lot of different things with my money, but I'm going to choose not to do everything that I possibly could with my money because I'm, I'm inevitably not going to be able to live beneath my ween, means in that way. And that could be a whole nother podcast just talking about what, how do we decide what we spend money on? What is a purchase that is a good decision or a bad decision? And I've been reading the book, A Praying Life by Paul Miller. We'll add a link to that in the show notes. And there was a quote the other day in there. This chapter was about giving us our daily bread. And he was talking about a friend of his, but I thought these were just really good questions to ask for any bigger purchase that a believer, a Christian is thinking about making. He says, we want to be followers of Jesus. And he warns against building bigger and better barns. Is this a bigger and better barn? Will it elevate us above people? Will it isolate us from people? Is it a wise use of our resources? Will we be limiting what we can give to others? I just thought those were really great questions. Yeah, they're really piercing questions. They kind of get to our heart and really reveal our motivation for why we're why we're spending money, how we're spending money. Yeah, they're really good questions to check our heart with. That's what I thought. One other objection, Jordan, that I feel I hear a lot of people say, especially people like waitresses, is I don't have a stable income. It changes every week what I make. How do I create a budget when I don't have a consistent fixed amount that I'm bringing in? Yeah, that's that's hard. And that's not something that we personally deal with. Yeah, sure. If you're in a seasonal business, if you do landscaping or you're doing plowing in the winters or yeah, you're a waitress or you're working on commission, these things vary. And I think a tip that I've seen before is to go back 12 months to look at your income from your last year and divide your total income by the last 12 months to give you kind of a baseline budget. 
and say, you know, this is, this is consistent. I can bank on this. I can bank on 2000 or $3,000 or $4,000 a month coming in on average. So there might be months when I make $12,000 and there might be make months when I don't have any income coming in. And so I have to balance it. And I think that, that can be a really hard thing. And so what we have to do in those situations, I think we just have to be disciplined enough to tuck away that extra money to base it off of our prior year salary and maybe even a little bit less depending on what occupation we have. But in the end, things are going to balance out to a, probably a pretty steady salary per year if we've been in the same occupation. So I think it's, you know, if you're new to that occupation, if you're new to to a seasonal job or something like that, talking with other people who say, hey, you know, this is kind of weird, but what in general, how much money do you see come in or how do you kind of budget? I think just asking other people who are in those similar jobs or saying, you know, is it like, hey, these four months I can definitely depend on a steady income and then the other eight months I have to kind of stretch it out or get another job. And I think that that is a, a really easy objection to say, I just can't do it. It's just really irregular. And I think you just have to be disciplined enough to, to kind of squirrel away that money for a while. And start somewhere. Pretty simple. Just start Start somewhere. Start. It's good. Just start. Mm. So let's talk about what happens. You know, there are situations that come up, emergencies happen, you get in a car accident. How do you, how do you not throw everything away when, a, when something comes up? That's hard. There are undoubtedly huge life circumstances that come up that people aren't ready for, whether it's medical bills or expenses. And I think that's something and budgeting that you also prepare for, that you have categories for, and even if it's just this unexpected. And so Dave Ramsey is a big advocate for the emergency fund. So you have $1,000 that is a quick, ready, if something were to happen. And then also having three to six months worth of expenses saved up. And that takes a long time. Obviously, that's not something that you sit down and decide to do, and it's in the bank. But preparing for that so that if something like that were to happen, if you were to get laid off your job, if you your car were to completely break down, that you have a way to fix that because you can't just not drive if you have an hour commute to work. You know, there are things that this is part of what you have to do in your life. So what you're referencing, Nikki, are what Dave Ramsey calls the baby steps. So he's kind of got these seven steps to financial freedom, he describes it as. So in the beginning is the first thing you want to do is is stock up $1,000 in an emergency fund so that you don't have to go any further in debt if you already have debt. You'll basically have that $1,000. So if the car breaks down or something happens, you'll have that money saved up. And then the goal after that is to pay down all your debt. That's baby step number two. After that, it's to save three to six months in an emergency in an emergency fund that is basically your expenses for three to six months, kind of depending on your job. If you're in a volatile environment, you're going to want to save more towards the six month end. If you're in a more steady job, maybe more towards the three month end, just depending. But yeah, we want to get in a place where we have this emergency fund to kind of bail us out. So instead of going to Visa or MasterCard, we're going to go to our emergency fund to, to pay those unexpected things off. And talking about Visa and MasterCard debt, we have a pretty low view of it. We do. Well, so Proverbs 22, 7 says, the, the latter part of that verse says, the borrower is slave to the lender. And I think it really is a, a slavery 
issue in, in a lighter way than, than actual slavery. But I, I think a lot of people are in bondage to debt and especially in our culture where debt is just normal. Student debt is totally normal. The, the statistics keep going up, but we there's now more student loan debt in America than credit card debt, which is crazy. I mean, wow. into the into a, over a trillion dollars as, you know, students across the country and some of those students don't even have degrees, which is really sad. You know, you go to college and you don't walk away with a degree and you have all this debt and you can't file bankruptcy and get rid of it. It'll follow you forever. So you have to pay that stuff off and it's just yeah, of course we want to be good for the debt we've we've accrued and then people have credit card debt and and car payments and we saw a statistic we're throwing out all these statistics you know take them or leave them but we saw one one time that said 90 percent of cars in america have a car payment attached to them and that's crazy it's, you know it's it's crazy for us because even though we came from really different financial backgrounds neither of us have ever had a car payment you know we've we've bought kind of older used cars still nice cars that have been really reliable but we've never had a car payment and that's pretty much what we're committed to but yeah debt is a really restrictive thing and it really I think is a dangerous thing and I think it can really cripple us in what we can do for for the kingdom and I think it also is is just a really dangerous thing because man like if we miss a payment there we're gonna have bill collectors calling and debt collectors and it's just really messy and just adds a lot of complexity and stress to our lives and debt's something that's become very normalized in our culture it's not a dirty word people have a lot of it and to be debt-free on the other hand, is very abnormal. It's very foreign to people to hear that you don't have any debt in any capacity. There's such freedom in that. I think it just really frees us up to be able to do a lot of different things. You can change careers more easily. You know, when you don't have a mortgage or when you don't have a car payment, yeah, there's a lot of different things you can do. You can you can follow your passions, your dream jobs that maybe pay less than your current job. Because you don't have the obligations, you don't have that written away right away, and so for us, we're we're blessed. We we don't have any debt. We, um, yeah, we don't. We had some student loan debt when we graduated, and through various different things, we we're able to pay off that debt. And we don't have a car payment. We rent. And we don't have a home right now. And not that we're completely opposed to having a mortgage, but you know, for us, we would really love to buy a home with cash. And that's that's crazy. You know, we're when freaks. we Yeah, we're freaks. And and I mean it's been a lot through through just biblical wisdom and through Dave Ramsey's plan. We've mentioned Dave Ramsey a ton of times. We took Financial Peace University, which was really helpful, really aligned us. It's a, a nine-week class that you can take through a church or you can take it online at home. And it's, you know, probably one of the best $100 we've ever spent to just get on the same page uh, as far as budgeting and finances and just everything related to that. But yeah, not having debt is so freeing. And I think it can be really powerful and really open up a lot of doors and opportunities that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to step through because of the obligations of having debt. Mm. This feels like it might be a good place to talk about our differences in budgeting. We've touched on this throughout the episode and how we grew up with very different financial backgrounds, how we needed to align on some views. Shall we divulge? Let's do it. Let's yeah, do you it. want to start? You want me to? You go ahead. Okay. Tell me, Jordan, growing up, what was your view of finances? How did your family handle them? So one thing that was really cool that my dad did, he had this plastic bank that I think he ordered from some Christian radio there, there was a kind of the precursor to Dave Ramsey was a guy named Larry Burkett and he was a Christian financial counselor. And I think it was through, through his ministry, I think maybe through crown financial, maybe even before it was called crown financial, they had this kid's piggy bank 
with three sections. There was spend, save, and give. And so you would literally put the cash into these three sections of the bank. It was kind of built like a a house. So there was the the house that was like the the spend. There was the the church kind of had a steeple on it or something that was the give. Mm-hmm. And then there was a bank little portion of it that was to save. Okay. And so these three sections and and for a kid, it's so significant to be able to see that cash stocked up in there. And and it's kind of, you know, there, cash is just a powerful thing seeing it rather than it just being this digital number that you're looking at. And so I think that that really instated in me this idea of, wow, you know, money is meant to be used in different ways. And so I always had, kind of a philosophy. I don't know if I always had the idea of I'll never have debt, but I, I always, even as a, a, a college student, never carried any any balance on my credit card. And I think credit cards can be really dangerous things in general. I think that they can be tools that we use, but I think for some people, it's just not a good idea to have them. But even as a college freshman, I knew, hey, I don't want to pay 20% a year to buy a burrito at Chipotle. You know, it's not worth it. And so I grew up in a home where we we almost never went out to eat. I mean, a few times a year we would go out to eat. And and my parents were really generous and and I thought we're we're always good stewards. And um yeah, I had a, a I feel like I had a pretty healthy view of of money. I wanted to be generous, I wanted to give, and was always pretty committed to giving. Um, yeah, giving back to God, giving, you know, a tithe. Uh, and even above that at times. And yeah, so that was kind of my background going into college. I got a, a scholarship to to Ohio University, so I didn't have any student loan debt. I was actually, I'm kind of, yeah, I was really fortunate. I actually got paid to go to college. I had scholarships that exceeded my my tuition and my room and board. And so I had extra, extra cash flow. And so you have to be like the top 0.5% of people in the world that get paid to go to college. It, I, yeah. And I totally didn't capitalize on that perfectly. You know, I didn't spend my money wisely all the time and I was, I would buy things. I did I, you know, I had different jobs and things, had internships and had more cash flow than a college student should. And so, yeah, I, I made some unwise financial decisions. I bought a, you know, fancy DSLR camera that collected dust and then I sold for half of what I paid for it and things. But anyway, so that's kind of my family background with money. So mm-hmm. Nikki, let's hear about yours. I think my favorite difference that we have is when we ask the question, how many times did your family go out to eat? As Jordan shared, maybe three to four times a year would be the average. And my family was about three to four times a week growing up. That's That's a big difference. It's pretty drastic. We're pretty, we're pretty extreme ends of the spectrum, I would say. I think that's safe to say. And and this isn't to bash either of our families. No, I was just getting ready to say, I feel like my, what I learned so well from my parents, and we both said this about each of our parents is generosity. Each of our moms and dads, I feel like so exemplify a generous heart a generous spirit, help anybody around them, help their family, gave to us always, were always providing for their kids, could not have had better models for that truly. And I think it was, I feel for my mom. We were the most difficult family. My, me, my dad, and my sister all had different opinions about what a good dinner was. And so no, she's not going to cook three meals. So she'd make one, one of us would like, and the other two would hate it or wouldn't be our favorite. And so who wants to put up with that particular snobbiness? I don't, it's hard. I don't blame her. Yeah, I don't blame her either. How annoying we were. There's there's maybe some middle ground, but you know, it's just you're so fed up and frustrated that of course it's just like let's go out to eat. Right. It's just easier. So we did that a lot. So I think for me what happened 
yeah, budgeting was not a word in my vocabulary. I had no concept for that. I, my dad has always been very generous. He has his own business and would very readily give my sister and I any money we needed or wanted for anything. And so I think when we started dating, it was so hilarious to compute, to compare our different upbringings and just views on money. And generosity was definitely one where we were aligned, which I'm so grateful for, but definitely as far as spending and saving, I was definitely more of an immediate, I want something, so I'm going to go buy it. Not a lot of thought to what down the road, Nikki, might you need or what expenses may come up. Just because you have this money in your bank account doesn't mean you need to spend it. I was Money was always burning a hole in my pocket. Yeah, and for me, there were times when I was pretty impulsive and would want to buy things. But in general, I have a more long-range view and say, hey, I know that we're going to want to do this thing. We're going to want to go to this place. We're going to purchase something. And so it's easier for me to, to want to save money. And honestly, I think that it can be sinful of me to want to put my hope in money. Like we talked about earlier, I want, sometimes I try to find security and safety in a bank account and I can't, you know, that ultimately isn't going to protect me. It's not going to save me. Um, yeah, I, I have to put my hope in the Lord, but I can still, it's kind of finding this balance between trusting the Lord and being wise and not hoping in money or my bank account. And it's it's hard. But but for us, I think honestly, what most aligned us was taking the Financial Peace University class where we're like, wow, we're from different ends of the spectrum. That's okay. Because I think you're more likely to be spontaneously generous or just really want to bless someone. I'm more likely to say, hey, we really need to think about saving for this thing. Or if we really are serious about buying a house with cash, we really need to save money for this. And I think we've come to a place where we, we really are on the same page in so many areas and we're, we're always thinking alike. And that's a huge blessing. And I think just when I think about Christians in general, you know, it, it would be really hard uh, if you're from different spiritual backgrounds and you're married, you know, it's hard to get on the same page. It doesn't make sense if, if my wife is not a Christian. It doesn't make sense for me to give more money to the church or to missions or something like that. And that's that's really a huge thing that we always say. First, Jesus is what helped us be on the same page in marriage. And second, financially, and, and Dave Ramsey has really been a blessing to us in our marriage. So how do we, how did we get to middle ground, Jordan? Or how do we help couples that are at the opposite ends of the spectrum. And I feel like that's such a stereotype for wives to be spenders and husbands to be savers and certainly have friends that the husband and wife are in opposite roles. So how do we get to the middle ground and how do we feel like we're both being heard, both of our views are being validated, but we're being wise with what we have? I think it just has to happen over conversations. That's that's just so significant. And being able to appreciate our differences and saying, man, if I was if I'm on my own and I'm just a saver, I'm not gonna have any fun. And I'm not gonna be able to enjoy um, the gifts God's given us for the present rather than only thinking about the future. And so I think it's just a lot of mutual respect and saying, man, for me, I really I trust you. I, I know that you think through things that you're really wise, I really admire how you steward your money at a personal level. And I think that's kind of, this is a little thing that we haven't gotten into for couples. I think it's really significant to have your own personal money. So I think for, for me, you know, I think I'm definitely pro using the same bank account, but we kind of have our own more or less cash envelope. So I have money for, for Jordan has my name on it. You have money for Nikki has your name on it, you know, and, and really, I mean, we'll share with each other what we bought or when something comes from Amazon or whatever, but I don't get stressed out when you buy a new dress or you buy shoes or whatever. And you don't get stressed out when I buy a new app. And we always joke, I asked you the question the other day, do you think I spend more money on apps or you spend more money on clothes? And it was, 
It was a toss up. up. We don't know. It's so hard to say because those are just the things that we enjoy spending our money on and things that we really value. And um, yeah, I think that that's so huge that you have to have, you know, when I get birthday money, you don't expect that to be your birthday money, you know? And and when you have your birthday money, you use your your birthday money how you see fit. And we both give as a result of the money we've been given. You know, we still give at least 10% to different things, even when it's just personal or gift money or whatever. But I think that having conversations, having your own little chunk of money that you set aside, you know, if it's 50 bucks a month for each of you as kind of an allowance that you can spend on, on what you want. So wise. Any, anything you'd add that you think that has really helped us in our marriage getting on the same page? I think having the personal allowance is huge because I don't have to be at Target. I, I only go there like every other month. We are literally the closest house to Target. I could walk there in 60 seconds. If I had a better arm, I could throw a rock and hit Target from our backyard. That's every woman's dream. It's great. It's amazing. So I like I like Target. And when I'm there and I see a really cute sweater and my cartwheel app tells me it's 20% off and then my red card gets me an extra 5% off, I don't have to call you and say, hey, babe, can I get this sweater? I can get the sweater and come home and say, Jordan, look how cute this sweater is. And we don't have to ask for purchases. Now, when it's combined money or other bigger purchases, then we sit and talk about, is this the best use of our, our money for this or what should we do with it? But when it comes to your personal money, there's, there's freedom and what that goes towards. So we're getting kind of to the end of the things we want to, we want to talk about related to budgeting, but yeah, if you could, and just in wrapping up, if you could give just one piece of budgeting advice to someone, what would you say? Do it. Stick with the budget because so many people growing up, you know, budget isn't a bad word. Most people would be in favor, at least say that having a budget is a good idea in theory, but so few people actually live it out practically and stick with it. And I think it's hard because it isn't intuitive. It isn't easy. It doesn't work perfectly the first time you do it. And now we've been doing it for three years and there's still months where we have to alter things or switch, you know, what's going to what category. We have a bunch of weddings, whatever it may be. And so I think just genuinely doing it and starting with the simplicity with cash envelope systems. I didn't start with this elite, really fancy wallet, which is totally my personality. Any sport I was in, I like to have the best gear and then I quit after a month of practice. But with budgeting, get the business envelopes out, write with a Sharpie on the front wrap a rubber band around them and put them in your purse and work at it and just do it. Just do it. Nike's guide to button Nike and Nikki's guide to budgeting. Just do it. It's a tongue twister. Yeah, it is. Now shed some light for us, Jordan. If you could offer people one piece of budgeting advice. You know, I was going to say commit, which is pretty much what you said. So I'll mix it up. But yeah, I think committing is really huge. I echo everything you said. But I think the thing that I would just say is that budgeting is freedom, that you have so much freedom when you budget. You get to determine how you're going to spend your money. If if traveling is a really high priority for you and something you really value, then set aside the money to, to travel. And maybe your home is smaller. Maybe you live in a smaller place. Maybe you share one car. Maybe, you know, there's lots of different things, but budgeting gives you the freedom as an individual, you know, like Nikki and I talked about with the having our own allowance, we have the freedom to spend our money how we want as individuals. 
And budgeting in general is just freedom to to live a really God honoring life, a way that that we honor Him, and in a way that we're just wise with our money. And so I think that so often people think of budget and instantly the word of of restriction or chains or these different things come to mind. And I think budgeting really means freedom. And and that's definitely been true in our marriage. And it's allowed us to be more generous. And, you know, just as a last thing to say, I would say, you know, don't feel condemned if you feel like you've been blowing this budget thing or you've tried it a million times and it hasn't worked. You know, we would love to to help. And we've written pretty extensively on our own blogs about budgeting and we can toss some links in the show notes for that. But yeah, don't feel condemned. Know that being a a bad budgeter doesn't, you know, alter your salvation. It's, you know, it's all about what Jesus has freely done and given to us, but we just want to be good stewards of what he's given us. And a budget is a really, really useful tool for getting us there and getting us to that point where we can steward well what God's given us. So profound. So true. I think we've 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 dug into this pretty good. We've unpacked it pretty well. I'll say. Cool. So if people want to to connect with us online, what's the easiest way to do that? We each have a personal blog that we've referenced in here. Mine is Nikki N I K I Shirkman S H I R K M A N dot com. Jordan. Mine's J Shirk dot com. It's kind of a shortening of my name. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at J Shirk. Nikki's at N Shirkman. We look forward to hearing your feedback. You can get in touch with us, feedback at unpacked.co. Nikki and I will both get your message and we look forward to hearing from you. Feel free to ask any questions. We'll hopefully get to those later on in a different show. And you can find show notes again at unpacked.co slash one as in episode one on the B word budgeting. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to hearing from you and chatting with you next time.